I want to thank you again for joining us this morning, and I invite you to find a Bible and open to James chapter 2. We've made it in our study of James to chapter 2. I've entitled this study, When Faith Works. James wants to teach us what it means to have genuine faith that results in godly behavior, a genuine belief that results in following Christ faithfully. Ultimately, James's desire is to teach us what it means to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. James shows us in chapter 1 how we ought to respond to the trials of life, how we ought to respond to temptation, and how we ought to respond to the truth of the Word of God. At the end of chapter 1, he talks about religion that's pure and undefiled is this. And he talks about how we ought to walk faithfully with the the Lord and be an example to the world and visit orphans and widows in their affliction and and walk faithfully with Christ. Then he transitions in chapter 2 to talk about how Christians and the church ought to act in relation to one another and relation to the world. Today, from James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, I'm talking about this subject, playing favorites. Let's begin reading James chapter 2, begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read to verse 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring, fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, have not, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he's promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you not commit adultery but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Remember this morning the power is in the word of God. Playing favorites. We all have favorites, don't we? Maybe you have a favorite subject in school. Or maybe you did when you were in school. You say, no, I never had a favorite subject. Couldn't it be at least recess, PE, or maybe even lunch? Maybe you have a favorite team, and you are just waiting for the day when everything kind of calms down and things get back to normal, and you can watch that team play once again. Do you have favorite memories? Maybe favorite memories with your friends or, or your family. You have a favorite shirt? I have a few shirts that I like to call my favorite shirt, but I have a little dilemma When it comes to my favorite shirt, I want to wear my favorite shirt and I want to wear it a lot, but I don't wear it a lot because I don't want it to get worn out. So it's strange. I don't know whether to wear my favorite shirt or not wear my favorite shirt so it lasts longer. It's always a a little crazy. Maybe you have a favorite outfit, favorite shirt. Do you have a favorite child? Do you have a favorite kid? 
Now, if you only have one child, you can't answer because, of course, you have a favorite kid. But if you have multiple kids, I'm asking you, moms and dads, do you have a favorite kid? Is there one that just kind of rises above the rest? Stephanie and I have five children. And this morning, I'm going to tell you which one is our favorite. That's right. I want you to lean in close. Out of all five, which child is our favorite kid? Yes, of course we have a favorite kid. Lean in real close. I'm going to tell you. No way. I'm just kidding. I'm actually recording this ahead of time, and I'm watching this with my kids in the living room, and I just wanted to see their reaction, okay? So no, we don't have favorite kids. You're not supposed to have favorite kids. Don't, don't play favorites, right? God doesn't play favorites. Isn't that interesting? That's important for us to know. God doesn't play favorites, and we shouldn't play favorites, especially when it comes to the church, especially when it comes to the body of Christ. But the sad reality is sometimes churches and Christians play favorites. Sometimes, as James describes it here, they show partiality. And and James wants us to know God loves us with a perfect love. He doesn't play favorites. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you with a perfect love. And if God loves us that way, as followers of Jesus, we ought to love others in the same way, without partiality or prejudice. So let's dive in and look at these verses as James talks to us about the danger of partiality, the danger of favoritism. First of all, James gives us an attitude to oppose. We see that right here in verse 1. The attitude is this, show no partiality. James wants us to oppose the attitude of partiality, of playing favorites, of of favoritism or, or prejudice. Look at what he says here in verse 1, which is really the theme of the first part of chapter 2. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. In other words, don't play favorites. He's saying, don't show partiality. Now, the word partiality, it's not a word we use a lot. Maybe today, the word we would use is prejudice. Prejudice. Don't show prejudice toward others. The word prejudice, if you break it down, pre meaning before, just to judge. So, so don't judge people before you get to know them. Don't judge them based on their race, their color, their ethnicity. Don't judge them based on their, their class, their finances, their socioeconomic status. That, that we're not supposed to show partiality or favoritism based on the external appearance of others. The word prejudice gives the, the literal meaning of lifting up a face. John MacArthur says that it, that it refers to, to judging those without even getting to know them, lifting up the face, holding up your nose to someone as if you're better than them based solely on their external appearance. The Bible tells us that while man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. And James warns us here, do not judge others with partiality. The old preacher said it like this, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You see, the Bible tells us that Christ died to break down walls and barriers. First and foremost, he died to break down the the wall and the barrier of sin that separated man from God. And in Christ's death, he paid the debt we owed as a result of sin, and he broke down that barrier. But the Bible also tells us Christ died to break down the barriers between our fellow man. 
The Bible says in, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 and 28, Paul writes, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's nor male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. The point that Paul is making is that in Christ we can be unified. If Jesus died to break down walls and barriers, who are we to build walls and barriers based on our own human perception or our own human understanding? And so we build barriers based on prejudice, on partiality, based on favoritism. And partiality is contrary to the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ says this, that God accepts you through Christ no matter who you are or where you're from. Partiality and prejudice is the exact opposite. It's that I reject you because of who you are and where you're from. Partiality and prejudice, favoritism, is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard about a woman who lived on the wrong side of the tracks who wanted to join the, the most fashionable church in town. So she went and talked to the pastor, and she said, I want to be a part of your church. The pastor said, well, that's, that's great news, but let's not be too hasty. I want you to go home, and I want you to think about it for a week. Just think for a week. Do you really, do you really want to join our church? So she thought for a week, and she came back, and she talked to the pastor, and she said, I still want to join your church. He said, well... Let's just wait a minute. There's a few things I, I want you to do. I, I, want you to, I want you to go home and I want you to read the Bible every day for an hour all week. Read the Bible every day for an hour all week and we'll talk again. She came back in another week. He said, well, there's still something else I want you to do. I tell you, why don't you go home and I want you to pray every day about joining our church. You go home and you pray about joining our church. It become clear that the pastor did not want this woman from the other side of the tracks to be a part of the fashionable church. Well, he didn't see her for several months until one day they ran into each other on the street. The pastor said, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. What was, what was your decision? I'm assuming that you decided to join another church. She said, yeah, one day when I was praying, God kind of spoke to me and he said, don't worry about not getting into that fashionable church. I've been trying to get in there myself for the last 20 years. They won't let me in either. When we show partiality, when we show prejudice or favoritism, we might as well ask God to leave as well. The Bible here warns us about this attitude that we are to oppose, the attitude of prejudice or partiality. You see, partiality is contrary to God's divine law, but more than that, it's a mockery of God's divine character. The grace of God accepts and receives us not based on who we are, but based upon what Christ has done. Not only is there an attitude to oppose, there's also an example to observe. We see this in verses 2 through 7. Now, James is a great preacher because James gives us a principle in verse 1 and then he gives us a, a story to illustrate that principle. So he tells us what we ought to know and then he gives us a story to, to kind of paint the picture for us. In, in verses 2 through 4, he shows us uh, that, that we ought not to show partiality and then shows us what it looks like in the church. And I can't prove this, but, but I believe this is probably something that James observed as he's serving as the pastor at First Baptist Church, Jerusalem. Very prominent, very wealthy congregation. These were the Jews that were important 
Many of them had come from poverty, but others were, were important. And so here James probably relates a story, and, and this is what he says in verses 2 through 4. This is probably something he's seen before. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This is interesting. James tells the story of partiality. He tells the story of what it looks like for the church to show partiality. So he tells a story about, about a man who's very wealthy. He's described as a man with a gold ring on his finger and a man in fine clothing. Literally, the text tells us that that. The, the gold ring, it literally reads gold-fingered man. In those days, it wasn't that the man would put a ring on every finger. He'd put multiple rings on one finger to show his wealth and to show his, his prominence, to show his importance. And so here, this, this man that's incredibly wealthy walks into the assembly and the usher says, oh, this is an important man. He's dressed in fine clothes. It means bright, beautiful clothes. Clothes that were hard to find, clothes that would be very expensive. And so he's invited to a place of prominence. The usher says, hey, sit, sit right here. Every head turns. If you can get the picture in your mind, when this man walks in, every head turns. He's so wealthy that everyone knows it. Then James gives a contrast. If a poor man in shabby clothes walks in, while others in the congregation would definitely be poor, they would know what that meant. But this man is described as being destitute probably wearing tattered clothes or rags, probably smelled, probably wouldn't even be welcomed in a lot of our, our, our churches today, sadly. And this poor man walks in, and it's not just that the rich man gets special treatment and a special seat. It's that the poor man doesn't, doesn't get any treatment. Uh, it's not that he doesn't get any treatment. It's that he gets worse treatment. No, notice what it says. The, the, the usher says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand over there, stay out of our way, or sit right here at my footstool. Now, in the synagogues in those days, there, there weren't seats for everyone. There were only special seats. And some seats had footstools, footstools in front of them where people could rest and relax and uh, prop up their feet. No, we're not going to install those here at the church before you come back. Don't, don't expect that. But here's, here's the contrast. Here's what's so profound. James says, not only would they not find a seat for this poor man, somebody wouldn't even move his feet for the poor man to sit on his footstool. Instead, he said, sit down next to my footstool with my feet in your face. In those days in Eastern culture, and still to this day in a lot of ways, the bottom of a shoe or the feet of a person can be seen as insulting. It's dirty. It's gross. It's disgusting. So James paints a very clear picture of how this wealthy man with everything receives special treatment at the church and how the poor man in shabby clothing gets, gets absolutely nothing. And so how do you treat people? How you treat people says a lot about what you believe about God. 
That's what James wants us to understand as he gives us the example to observe how you treat people reveals really what we believe about God. How the church welcomes people says a lot about what we really believe about God and the gospel. And I think it's interesting that James gives an illustration about seats in church because 2,000 years later, it's still an issue in a lot of places. Maybe James could have said at the end of chapter 1, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, not getting angry or upset when someone sits in your seat at church. Maybe that would be the case. It is interesting, seats. You ever, you ever thought about paying price that's a premium price for the best seats at the sporting event or the best seats at a concert or a show. People pay a lot of money to sit right down front and center. They pay a lot of money, a premium price to be front and center. Why is it the opposite in church? You ever thought about that? I guess if we sold tickets, we would need to sell tickets for the cascade seats and the cascade seats would be the premium price all the way to the back and the edges. Those might be the most expensive and the cheap seats would be the ones in the front where nobody wants to sit. James is, is giving us an example and telling us a story so that we can understand that we ought not to judge people based on the, their appearance. He, he goes on to say, isn't it the rich that oppress you? The rich that throw you in jail, the rich that oppose the kingdom of God. Do you know that Christianity is a religion of equality? The message of the gospel is that we're all equally sinners, equally doomed, equally separated from God, but we are equally loved and equally welcomed through the cross of Jesus Christ. The old song that we sang in Sunday school, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. God loves everyone equally. And you say, well, you don't understand. I'm, I'm well-educated. I've got a lot of money. I'm prominent. I'm important. Who cares? God doesn't care. You say, well, other people, man, they, they're not going to church. I go to church. I serve in the church. I'm a greeter. I'm, I'm an usher. I'm a deacon. I'm a Sunday school teacher. Man, that's great. That's awesome. But don't you dare think that somehow your service in the church earns you a special place or, or favor with God. All of those things that, that you do, man, that's great, but it doesn't earn you any place with the Lord. God's love for you is not contingent upon what you do for him or what you've done for him. God's love for you is contingent upon what Jesus Christ has done for you and how you've responded to him. And when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any special seats for us. There's not going to be a place of prominence. There's only one VIP and his name is Jesus Christ and we'll worship and honor and adore him forever. James tells us when it comes to partiality, there's an attitude that we ought to oppose, that attitude of prejudice and favoritism. Secondly, there's an example to observe. This has happened in the church right there in Jerusalem. And third, there's a command to obey. We see this in, in verses 8 through 13. James wants to drive home his point. Don't show partiality. So he reaches all the way back to the Old Testament, to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. And some of you, you skip Leviticus in your Bible reading. And here James quotes it and Jesus quotes it. What did he say? Leviticus 19, 18. He calls this the royal law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What's the point? Why is this the royal law? 
Well, Jesus used it and when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? Number one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the royal law because it rules all the other laws. Every commandment in the Ten Commandments that relates to our relationship with others is ruled by loving your neighbor as yourself. Every commandment that relates to our relationship with others will be fulfilled if we fulfill this royal law. It's the royal law because it's given by the king. It's given to us by King Jesus. If we live by this law, we won't show favoritism, partiality. We won't, we won't show racism or, or prejudice or classism. We will follow the commands of God. And so we ought to live in a way that shows love for our neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. And some of you say, God, I'll love my neighbors as long as I get to pick my neighborhood. Doesn't work that way. When Jesus wants to tell the Jews who their neighbor is, he picks the one person, a Samaritan, that they would never pick. You see, your neighbor is not just the person that lives next door to you. Your neighbor is anyone that you come in contact with here in society. Your neighbor is the humanity around you, and we're to show love for them. And he gives us here a command to obey. What's the command? Fulfill the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. The royal law is contrasted by the way of the world, and we see that right there in verse 9 and verse 10. Read those verses with me. If you show partiality, you're committing sin, and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. So think about it. If a church is closed off to certain people because of their race, their ethnicity, their background, where they live, their class, their socioeconomic status, if a church is closed off to certain people and will not welcome certain people because of their external appearance, then that church is also closed off to God himself because they're not operating, living according to the royal law that God has established. So if a church says certain people aren't welcome, they might as well say God is not welcome. Paul writes also in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Do you see how the gospel is contrary to favoritism, to prejudice and partiality? Christ, who had everything, gave up everything to become poor, to be born of a virgin in a stable. He gave up everything to become poor so that those of us who are poor might become rich. Now, here he's not talking about money. He's talking about how we are spiritually poor, how we have nothing, spiritually speaking, we are uneducated, spiritually speaking, totally undeserving of the grace of God. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who had everything, laid aside the privilege of deity and became a man, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, so those of us that are spiritually poor might become rich through His grace. You see, spiritually we have nothing, but God accepts us. Here, you may say, well, you don't understand, I serve in the church. I'm a good person. 
I read my Bible. James says if you hold partiality or prejudice in your heart, you might as well be guilty of all the commandments. If you keep the whole law but you stumble in one point, you might as well be guilty of all. So if you hold prejudice in your heart, favoritism or showing partiality as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to learn to love others as God has loved you. It's recorded that Mahatma Gandhi, as he was a student, began to read the Gospels. He was very, very interested in what Jesus said in the Gospels. So interested that he considered converting to Christianity. He felt like the teachings of Jesus might hold the answer for the caste system of the people of India. So he decided to go to church one Sunday. He wanted to talk to the pastor about converting to Christianity. He was met by an usher at the door who told him that he was not welcome and told him that he needed to go worship with his own people. Could you imagine an usher saying, you're not welcome to hear. Someone who wanted to, to consider the claims of Christ, someone that wanted to convert to Christianity. And so Gandhi left thinking this, if Christians have a caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. The actions of one usher at a church, contrary to the gospel and the heart of God, showing partiality or favoritism. You see, there's a command for us to obey. It's called the royal law. We ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. James here obliterates any thinking that we might have that somehow we are better, that we're superior, that we're on a higher rung than anyone else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You come to God on his terms or you don't come at all. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of prestige or popularity. There's no amount of wealth or there's no amount of anything that we can offer humanly to earn the grace and the favor of Almighty God. The Bible says that God in His grace and His love sent Jesus Christ to pay the debt of sin that you and I owed. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day. And the Bible says right now Jesus offers salvation to everyone who will say, I repent of my sins. And I trust in Christ. Do you know repenting of your sins also means giving up anything you think earns you favor in the sight of God? That's pride. The old song says, nothing in my hand I bring, only to your cross I cling. Today, if you'd like to accept Christ, if you'd like to repent of your sins, come empty-handed to the, to the foot of the cross and repent and place your faith in Christ. You can do that. If that's your desire today, you can pray a prayer very similar to this. It's just the attitude of your heart, not the words that you say. God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe the Savior is Jesus. I repent of my sins and I place my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Come in and be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. If you prayed that prayer and you mean it today, we'd love to know about that so we can tell you what it means to follow Jesus. Just text the word RESPOND to 478-324-5402. We want to connect with you and tell you what it means to follow Christ. Many people have expressed in the last few weeks 
They want to be a part of our second family by going through second life class. We've already had one Zoom call. We've got more scheduled. And so if you're interested in being a part of our second family, we can, we can tell you what it means to join us and to partner with us in ministry and in mission. You can text RESPOND to 478-324-5402 and someone will be in touch with you. Maybe you need prayer. There's something heavy on your heart. Text RESPOND to that same number. We'd love to connect with you during this time. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. 